Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, listener mail. This is Robert Lamb. And this is Joe McCormick. And it is Monday, the day of each week that we read back messages from the Stuff to Blow Your Mind email address. If you have never gotten in touch before, why not send us an email? You can reach us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Whatever you want to send is fair game, but of course we always appreciate if you have something interesting to add to a topic we've talked about on the show. And Rob, if you don't mind, I am going to kick things off by reading this message from Elena, which does just that. It adds to our series on the uh, the monstrous cats of Japanese legend. Go for it. Let's hear it. So I think this is probably connecting to uh, our digression in, in that series where we were talking about why it is that sometimes cats seem like uh, powerful beings in a way that other domestic animals do not. Elena says, Hi, Robert and Joe. Given the recent episodes about cats, I wanted to share the cat entry in the first edition of the Encyclopedia Britannica, 1768 to 1771. I read about this recently. And then she includes just a paragraph here. I shall now read from the 18th century Book of Wisdom. It says, Of all domestic animals, the character of the cat is the most equivocal and suspicious. He is kept not for any amiable qualities, but purely with a view to banish rats, mice, and other noxious animals from our houses, granaries, etc. Actually, it doesn't say etc. It says ampersand C. I don't know how you pronounce that. Uh, although cats, when young, are playful and gay, they possess at the same time an innate malice and perverse disposition, which increases as they grow up, and which education learns them to conceal, but never to subdue. 
constantly bent upon theft and rapine, though in a domestic state they are full of cunning and dissimulation. They conceal all their designs, seize every opportunity of doing mischief, and then fly from punishment. They easily take on the habits of society, but never its manners, for they have only the appearance of friendship and attachment. This disingenuity of character is betrayed by the obliquity of their movements and the ambiguity of their looks. In a word, the cat is totally destitute of friendship. He thinks and acts for himself alone. <laughs> Man, they did encyclopedias different back then. That That is so good. I had to look it up and see for myself. Uh, the so Elena was telling the truth. This is indeed what the original Encyclopedia Britannica said about the cat. But the entry does not stop there. That's just uh, like the second paragraph of a of a longer thing. And there was so much other good stuff there. So, Rob, do you mind if I share a few more tidbits? Um, let's have some more blatant anti-cat propaganda from a bunch of dead men. Yes. Okay. Okay. It also says the cat is incapable of restraint and consequently of being educated to any extent. However, we are told that the Greeks in the island of Cyprus trained this animal to catch and devour serpents with which that island was greatly infested. This, however, was not the effect of obedience, but of a general taste for slaughter, for he delights in watching, attacking, and destroying all kinds of weak animals indifferently. He has no delicacy of sense like the dog. He hunts only by the eye. Neither does he properly pursue. He only lies in wait and attacks animals by surprise. And after he has caught them, he sports with and torments them for a long time and at last kills them, parentheses, when his belly is full, purely to gratify his sanguinary appetite. Okay, okay, not enough, right? You, you want to hear more cat slander. Uh, author here says, Although cats live in our houses, they can hardly be called domestic animals. They may rather be said to enjoy full liberty, for they never act but according to their own inclination. Besides, the greatest part of them are half-wild. They do not know their masters, and frequently only the barns, outhouses, uh, uh, ampersand C, unless when pressed with hunger. Cats have a natural antipathy at water cold and bad smells. They love to bask in the sun and lie in warm places. They likewise have an affection for certain aromatic smells. They are transported with the root of the valerian. I have read that the valerian um, root has a similar effect on them to uh, catnip, but uh, I can't remember if I've tried it. I may have tried it. What, what actually is catnip? What is the plant? The plant, Joe, is uh, Nepeta catarium, uh, also known as catswort and cat mint um so yeah it's a, it's a particular variety of plant uh, that they like it has a like, psychotropic uh, effect on them okay i'm going to wrap this up with two more short selections the editors of encyclopedia britannica say cats eat slowly and are particularly fond of fishes they drink frequently their sleep is light and they often assume the appearance of sleeping when in reality they are meditating mischief they walk slowly without making any noise. As their hair is always dry, it easily gives out an electrical fire which becomes visible when rubbed across in the dark. Their eyes likewise sparkle in the dark like diamonds. The wild or savage cat couples with the domestic one and is consequently the same species. It is not unusual for domestic cats, both male and female, when stimulated by love to repair to the woods in quest of these savage cats. Wow. 
I think I have I have heard um, descriptions of purely fantastic uh, animals that contained uh, <laughs> fewer lies <laughs> than this this particular write up. I mean, it sounds. I mean, some of it is sort of like like exaggeration of of cat character as it is often observed. But a lot of it's just yeah. like, where'd they even get this? Did had this person been around a cat at all? Well, I'm struck by how much of this is um uh, is like not even in the realm of descriptive fact, true or false. It's mm-hmm. just sort of like a personal evaluation and speculation about the inner life of a cat. Yeah. <laughs> The stuff that like would not, it, it, whether it was true or false, be in a, an encyclopedia today. This is way more uh, just like qualitative and almost uh, appreciative and lyrical than than I'm used to. It's yeah. It makes me want to hear the the dog uh, entry. I wonder if it's like really glowing, and they're like the dog is an animal of wonder and kindness that never smells of excrement, uh, <laughs> and, and so forth. I mean, uh, one can only imagine. It is, though, like so expressive and like relentless in the way it develops its picture of cats. It, it's almost like one of those ancient Mesopotamian hymns about a god, you mm-hmm. know, just like these repetitive forms of statements that are just like dwelling on the same idea, but expressing it in different words over and over. You know, I went ahead and looked it up. You can pull all this up on the Britannica.com website. Uh, pull up the old entries from the first edition. And yeah, the dog entry is full of just blatant pro-dog propaganda about how, yes, in his savage state, he is fierce, cruel, and voracious. But when civilized and accustomed to live with men, he is possessed of every amiable quality. He seems to have no other desire than to please and protect his master. He is gentle, obedient, submissive, and faithful. And so forth. It, goes on. it says it says he will. This this seems on uh, on brand. He will not eat the bones of a goose, crow, or hawk, but he devours even the putrid flesh of most other animals. <laughs> what? <laughs> that can't be true. The dog runs around when about to lie down in order to discover the most proper situation. That seems like a, a, a just a flowery way of saying he like just turns around before it's oh sick. the dog walks in circles yeah yes but runs around that makes it sound like mm. i mean i mean every, all these descriptions just take actual realistic observations and like twirl them into some sort of a poetic maelstrom now this this has some uh, some uh, has some fact to it i think for the excrements of a dog destroy almost every vegetable or animal substance they are such a putrid nature that if a man's shoe touches them when recently expelled, that particular part will rot in a few days. I guess part of the shoe will rot. What? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've I've stepped in some dog crap before, but I've never noticed that it made my shoe rot. That's oh, They were feeding them differently back then. Oh, here's some more science facts. When oppressed with sickness, to which he is very subject, especially in the beginning of summer, in order to procure a puke, he eats the leaves of the quicken grass, the bearded wheat grass, or the rough cock's foot grass, which gives him immediate relief. <laughs> uh, oh, also, when he steals a piece of flesh, as conscious of the immorality of the action, he runs off with his tail hanging and bent betwixt his feet. <laughs> 
I think the editors of Encyclopedia Britannica First Edition did not have large enough sample sizes of dogs and cats to observe when drafting these <laughs> entries. They just got like one guy who hated cats and had seen two or three cats ever, and he did the whole thing. And this guy doing the dog entry is just talking about his dog, who's a sweetie pie. Mm-hmm. And that one, that one dog poopy stepped in that rotted his boot. Yeah, it rotted his boot. Still, this is remarkable. I did not know that the uh, the old Britannica entries uh, had this much wonder in them. Uh, yeah, despite their dubious quality as a source of true information, they're wonderfully written. All right. It's not all cats and dogs, though. We also heard from listeners about our episodes on shadows. This one comes to us from Matthew. Good evening, team. First off, a great series on shadows and the cultural attachments to them. I've always thought that shadows were also a way of showing one's vitality, the shadows shrinking when one ages because of the human body stooping and shrinking, but that's just me. On the aspect of gaming itself, there is a great twist on the shadow from Dark Sun, Dark Sun being a, uh, uh, a world in the Dungeons and Dragons universe. I don't think it, I don't think it has been, has yet been reintroduced into fifth edition, uh, hmm. but uh, it, it had a lot of great art back in the day. Uh, Gerald Brom was involved in, in much of it. It's like a, a world that's been destroyed by sorcery and wizardry, and uh, now just like a barren um, post-apocalyptic world for the most part. Uh, so, sort of like Dungeons and Dragons meets Mad Max? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Okay. So uh, the, the author continues here. They are known as the Shadow Giants, and they are not actually giants. Compressed lore. The previous inhabitants of the Dark Sun setting disappeared into the Shadow Plane, and they were taken over by the shadows themselves. Shadow giants are actually hobbit halfling size when there is 100% light all around them. The changes come when the lighting is reduced. If someone were to hold only a torch, these creatures would grow to giant size and have the same strength and temperament as a giant would. It is a delightful twist on shadows and the trope of carrying a light source. If you have one light source on you, you doom yourself and your party to the destruction at the hands of these giant beasts. You would be better off submitting to the darkness completely and letting the shadows consume you, especially if you can't get the light of the sun to bathe the area for every step you take. Just imagine how chilling it would be to have your trusty nightlight betray you because you wanted to keep the shadows at bay. Great shows as always. Much appreciated. And I'm looking forward to more so I can start jotting down some ideas. All the best. Take care. And you are more than welcome to use this email in any broadcast or podcast or shadow cast as you wish. Matthew. I knew about none of this, but I'm a little confused on. So why is it worse to have a one single light source than to have none at all? Well, I'm assuming if you're encountering this creature well, i guess it would uh, it would depend on where you were encountering it right if you were in, so, so let's let's put it together let's let's imagine the encounter i guess let's say we're in a in a room with sort of like mild ambient lighting from outside right um what kind of shadow does this is cast by this hobbit being uh hobbit sized being and then by having a, a a light source in the room are you creating an elongated shadow and i'm guessing that's mm. kind of the idea here uh, okay. Yeah. Directional light source will. Okay. But uh, I, I, this does make me interested to to look up the uh, the old monster entries for Dark Sun. I never had any of the Dark Sun material uh, when I was younger, and like I say, they haven't reintroduced it, so I haven't picked up anything new for it. So uh, I am curious, though. Uh, I might have to dive into it. 
Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting, uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. No estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, I'm going to do another message about uh, shadows. This one is uh, from, well, I don't think this person meant to be anonymous, but they did not provide a name. So uh, we'll say anonymous for now. If you want to add a name next time you write in, go for it. Uh, Anonymous says, greetings, Robert and Joe. I just listened to the two parts of your episodes on shadows. You shared a lot of interesting aspects of the topic, many I was not aware of, such as the halo effect of dew or shine. 
At the end, you mentioned that 3D objects are often considered, quote, shadows of some higher dimensional entity or force, like a temple being a shadow of a god. The fact that shadows are always a dimension lower than the object casting them actually allows them to be used in the reverse. Shadows are one of the few phenomena that can be actively used in an attempt to peer into or understand higher dimensional things. This is probably why they are associated with metaphysical things like ghosts and gods. Mathematicians and physicists also use this property of shadow, though, to explore higher dimensional phenomena. The curvature of space-time is higher dimensional than we can perceive, but the shadows of its effects can be tracked in three dimensions just as easily as our two-dimensional shadow on the ground. In that case, three-dimensional shadows may be the most a three-dimensional being like humans can perceive of any higher-dimensional entity, force, or phenomenon. The second connection I wanted to point out involves eclipses. With two major eclipses this month, uh, and this would have been October of 2023, the solar ring of fire eclipse on October 14th and the lunar eclipse that uh, the other side of the Earth saw this week, eclipse shadows have been more in my consciousness. One of the fascinating shadow effects is seeing multiple partial eclipse crescents in the shadows under trees during a solar eclipse. The leaves are acting as camera obscura or pinhole cameras reversing the image of the eclipse itself. Yeah, I remember seeing this. Uh, I didn't I didn't get into the path of totality for the 2023 eclipse, but the last one uh, that came through around this region. It was years ago now. I mm-hmm. I went out to a, a university campus in Tennessee to uh, to watch with uh, with my family, and it, yeah, it was really great. I was standing near a tree, and I remember exactly this thing. Like all the little uh, p- bits of light filtering through gaps in the foliage on the trees became little like uh, pinhole camera representations of the crescent of the sun as it was being blocked out. It was really cool. But the listener goes on, The reason we do not normally notice this odd camera effect within shadows is because our light source is usually round. Reversing a round object still gives you a round object. There is no difference or contrast to see that this is happening all the time. You can intentionally use the same effect in photography with lens flares. If you photograph the sun rising or setting at the horizon or against an object halfway there— the uh, light source will be a half circle. The lens flare created will be a reversed half circle. So shadows are as much a function of the shape and nature of the light source as the object that just happens to be between the light and surface. I think this has some interesting metaphysical extensions and may further explain the association with, quote, godly light and the condition of whatever physical manifestations are connected with that god. Lunar eclipses demonstrate another aspect of shadows, the permeability of the object casting the shadow. Earth's atmosphere casts a different shadow on the moon than the Earth itself. The same difference happens through water or glass or any substance that lets light through selectively. This effect of permeability can be used to explore the properties of the object casting the shadow. Again, with higher dimensional phenomena, this may be the most that can be directly perceived. I think it's interesting that shadow puppetry does this intentionally. Thank you for all you do. Smiley face. I guess that's sort of the smiley face is the signature. (laughs) Well, that yeah, some excellent thoughts in there. Thanks for writing in. Smiley. 
Yes, thank you, Smiley. All right, real quick, we heard from Brett. Uh, Brett wrote, wrote in about our Ig Nobel episodes. It says, hey, guys, just getting around to the Ig Nobel Awards. And upon hearing the rock tasting story, I was very surprised that Robert did not bring up Professor Farnsworth's smelloscope in Futurama. It was the first thing I thought of. Indeed, uh, my apologies, Professor Farnsworth. Uh, it is one of his uh, most famous inventions that allowed him to smell distant planets. All right, uh, now I'm going to move on to some weird house cinema listener mail. This one comes to us from Jimmy. Jimmy says, hey, guys, I've been a big fan of your podcast for a long time. Thanks for all the great episodes. I just wanted to let you know that I am one of the few people out there that loves that stone ground is in Dracula A.D., I am a musician that was born and raised in Concord, California, and Stoneground was from Concord, probably the most famous band from my hometown. So uh, when I was a kid in the 1970s, a couple of my older siblings were definitely Stoneground fans. So I have always had a soft spot for them, even if they weren't the most exciting band. Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy, d don't apologize for loving Stoneground. We wholeheartedly endorse your love of Stoneground. Yeah, yeah. And plus, I mean, as we discussed in the episode, it's not like Stoneground were awful and they seem to have, you know, real uh, musical pedigree. Yeah. Um, it just felt like a random inclusion. Yeah, it did feel random. <laughs> like uh, like the, the Hammer executives were like, all right, uh, the producers, who can we get? Who can we get to uh, to show up and be the cool band playing uh, uh, in the uh, uh, in the early part of this film to bring in the youth? They're, they're like the, the Corman movie using pre, uh, footage from pre-existing films that they had the rights to. Stone Ground mm -hmm. is in there like that. Yeah. And hey, kudos to Stone Ground for getting to appear in a Hammer Horror film. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. Even for an alligator man, that is a rare accomplishment. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and close up the mailbag here, but we would love to hear from you right in. Because every Monday we do a Lister Mail episode. Um, write in about past episodes, future episodes, current episodes, stuff to blow your mind, Weird House Cinema, anything we do, it's all fair game. Uh, just a reminder that our core episodes are on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and on Fridays, we set aside most serious concerns to just talk about a weird film on Weird House Cinema. Uh, you can find our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, check out our social media feeds uh, that are active again if you're on social media already. And bear in mind that on Instagram, we are STBYM Podcast. That's the, the newer um, account there. The old one got all locked up. So if you, you think you follow us on Instagram, you might not. You might be following a dead account. You don't want to do that. Following a dead account, that's a gateway to hauntings and, and so forth. You never know what's going to crawl out of there. Huge thanks, as always, to our excellent audio producer, J.J. Posway. If you would like to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other, to suggest a topic for the future, or just to say hello, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place 
for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 